is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. CDC getting some pushback over its vaccine booster recommendation. It's now promising some further review. There have been doctors questioning whether people really need a third dose if they're not already immunocompromised. Others have raised questions over vaccine equity, arguing that third doses should really be first doses in countries that need the vaccines the most. Dr. Anna Durbin, epidemiologist specializing in the evaluation of experimental vaccines at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. And she joins us now. First, doctor, let's get your view on the booster shots, the plan that's uh, put before us. I think it's premature to be deploying booster shots. I do think it's important to be looking at this question and preparing for the need for boosters if it arises. But I think right now the vaccine's continuing to show excellent effectiveness, particularly against the more severe disease and hospitalization, which is really the the most important public health impact that we're looking at. So I really do think it's, it's premature at this point. So, you know, I was watching the news conference the other day uh, and it had CDC uh, officials and some other folks on. Dr. Fauci was was on it and they were laying out this case that essentially, well, look, you know, uh, studies are showing that uh, antibodies are dropping, you know, fairly uh, uh, radically in some cases months after the second of the two vaccines, if you're getting the Moderna or the Pfizer one. And I think Dr. Fauci said uh, that you can tie in uh, the uh, numbers of antibodies with the efficacy of the vaccine. Therefore, he said, uh, you give another shot, you increase the antibodies, and voila, you have better uh, effectiveness of the vaccines. It sounded like a logical case. Is there a problem with that? So, you know, I think the facts are basically correct, what Dr. Fauci said, except for this. What I will say is antibody titers decline over time for everything, whether you're naturally infected. We see this with vaccines all the time. And giving a booster is not tied to a specific antibody level. So we don't have right now an antibody level that we can say um, will give you protection. Now, again, I think the other point, and this is, is, I think, a little bit more nuanced, is that when we talk about overall effectiveness, what we're talking about effectiveness against any symptomatic COVID, and we have seen decline in efficacy against mild to moderate symptoms. So for instance, we are seeing breakthrough cases in people and they're getting cold-like symptoms, but we're seeing extremely high protection still against severe disease and hospitalization. And I think when we have a limited resource, as we do with these vaccines, they are far better utilized in, in trying to distribute these vaccines to places where they don't have them. And I think the key point to be made is that we are not going to stop the surge of Delta variant by giving booster shots. The only way we're going to stop this surge of Delta variant cases of COVID is by getting unvaccinated people vaccinated. And the only way we're going to stop the rising up of new variants is to get the world vaccinated. And so that's when I say I think these doses could be better utilized. That's what I mean. So let's say they do go ahead with this plan, though, and it's uh, September 20th and the first round. And then, you know, a lot of people end up getting them through October, November into December. What then do they do for us if they're already right now working at keeping us out of the hospital and from dying? 
Great. That's what we want. <laughs> so do these handle then the breakthrough cases, those colds that people get, and then they turn up having COVID? And that's that's bad. I mean, but we've all had colds, so we can all right. deal with them. Is that what they're for at the end of the day? Or exactly. because so the vaccinated can still, uh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but since the vaccinated can still, you know, breathe it out, not knowing they had it, does it somewhat protect those who refuse to get their shots too? Or is it one or the other? No, no. I, I think what you'll see is definitely a reduction in breakthrough cases. And what it may do is even um, further reduce transmission. So we know these vaccines can reduce the transmission of the COVID virus, meaning that if you're vaccinated, you're infected. We know you can still transmit the virus, but to a lesser degree than the unvaccinated. Boosting up your antibody titers will likely, by giving a booster, will likely um, provide more antibody at the site of infection at your nose, and so prevent some of those breakthrough infections and actually reduce transmission. And that can, in fact, protect uh, some of the unvaccinated, particularly the kids who can't get vaccines now, the young kids who can't get vaccines. Okay, so, but isn't that then an argument in favor of the boosters, apart from, and I get what you are saying earlier, this, there's the moral argument about do we use shots as boosters when many parts of the world don't even have people who are given the first shot. President Biden says he can, that we can do both. Whether that's true or not, I guess time will tell. But what you just said, uh, reducing, maybe less so, reducing symptomatic cases, but maybe more so, reducing the ability of people who are vaccinated to none, nonetheless transmit the disease to the unvaccinated, is that not in and of itself, in your view, a good reason to give the boosters? Well, not necessarily, because, again, the transmission from vaccinated people is much lower than unvaccinated people. So you may reduce it somewhat. But until you get all of those adults who can be vaccinated, vaccinated, it's going to be difficult to reduce the transmission to children. And I do think what still is encouraging is even though we're seeing more infections with Delta in children, far and away, children are less likely to get severely ill than are adults, which is good news. Now, that's not to say that they that there aren't children who do um, get hospitalized, but the numbers are quite small. But again, I want to emphasize that even giving booster shots, again, is going to make a little dent in that compared with getting people who are not vaccinated, vaccinated. Hypothetically, if we had changed the rollouts and the spacing from three to four weeks to, to a longer period, would we be in a different spot now? You know, that's, that's a very interesting question. We do know that the longer the interval between the two shots tends to give a better, uh, better uh, response to that second dose, and that can increase durability. What we were dealing with at the time, though, was how do we get the most people vaccinated, fully vaccinated in the shortest amount of time? And unfortunately, as we were rolling out these vaccines and doing the studies, you know, the goal was to get a vaccine out there as quickly as we possibly could, as safely as we could. So we couldn't do all of the studies that we normally do looking at these different intervals. Um, so the early studies went with set intervals of three weeks for Pfizer, four weeks for Moderna. And then the difficulty is when you've studied that and your vaccine is licensed based on that inter interval, even if it's emergency use authorization, it's difficult to get that change. Yeah, so a very, <laughs> very quick question, because we're going to run out of time. Then did the British make the right decision? They were criticized 
for spreading out the interval between the first and second shots, in some cases, I think, by as long as 12 weeks. And yep. and a lot of experts around the world said, oh, no, how can you do that? Because the studies were only done, you know, with using three or four weeks. But in the end, were they right? Well, I think it's hard to say because they had a lot of cases then between first and second dose. So I think it's a difficult call to make. Hindsight, it's easy to go back and look and see things. But I will say we saw we saw a very quick decline in cases as we started to roll out the vaccine. And particularly for the elderly, I think it was very important to get them fully vaccinated as quickly as possible because the vast majorities of hospitalizations and deaths were in those 65 and older. And a longer interval may have led to more deaths in that population. Dr. Anna Durbin, epidemiologist specializing in the evaluation of experimental vaccines, Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Doctors across the U.S. are relying more on monoclonal antibodies to fight COVID-19. One doctor in Louisiana says they've actually become one of his hospital's most effective therapies. He says it helps high-risk patients stay out of the hospital. The therapy is becoming more available at hospitals and clinics across the country. Monoclonal antibodies are basically artificially created antibodies that help the body fight the COVID virus. Monoclonal antibodies typically cost more than $1,000 a dose, but governments buy them and send them to hospitals and clinics so people can get them at little to no cost. However, supply is limited, and depending on the location, it might not be that easy to get. New way to fight COVID also showing promise. Data shows AstraZeneca's new antibody cocktail, 77% effective at preventing symptomatic COVID in high-risk groups. Research found nobody who took the combination developed severe COVID or died because of the virus. Study expected to be sent to a peer-reviewed medical journal to be published as well as to regulators. For an emergency use authorization or conditional approval, AstraZeneca's first attempt at an antibody cocktail didn't go so well. Uh, it said in June didn't do much to prevent symptomatic COVID in recently exposed people. This is an Odyssey original. Find us on that Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. 